Welcome to This Human Life with a Philosophical Coach. I'm thrilled to have you tuning in. I'm your host, Sam Kukathis, aka The Philosophical Coach, philosopher, human expert, and high-performance coach. This podcast at its core is about navigating the complexities of being human, whilst providing you the opportunity to go beyond any conception of who you think you are, really. Inside of the freedom that comes from not being attached to figuring out your true purpose, or who you are, is an opening for creating a life free from constraint. If that intrigues or excites you, then you're definitely in the right place. The ideas are drawn from neuroscience, philosophy, my coaching practice, working with elite leaders, and experience. You can expect candor, humor, vulnerability, and ideas which are unfamiliar to you, and some you may just plain disagree with. You'll also get the opportunity to hear from inspiring coaches and leaders. Now let's get ready to question what we know. Welcome back. Today I'm talking about something incredibly important to the state that the world is in right now. This is impacting all of us and has impacted all of us tremendously over the last 18 months. And this is the crisis of leadership. And where does this crisis come from? It comes from the fact that we misunderstand what it is to be a leader. We have misunderstood influence with being a leader. I was at a workshop on the weekend where Tony Robbins, who was an exceptional leader, was speaking about leadership. And he's talking about leadership in regards to influence. And if we took that as our understanding of leadership, then we would find leaders all around. There are lots and lots of people who influence people. There are lots of influences in the world. But I would argue that most of them are not leaders. Why is that? Because leadership is not just about serving. There is this idea of servant leadership out there. And that's lovely. But what is missing in all of this is an understanding of leadership is not just about how you act and operate within the context of your business or how you operate in the context of how do you engage with people on social media. It's actually about something way bigger. It's a context for how you live your life, full stop. And that's not how leadership is understood. Leadership is understood in terms of authority, in terms of influence, in terms of what kinds of interesting thoughts does someone generate? We talk about thought leaders. Leadership is confused with things like management. Very little of this has anything to do with leadership. Why do I say that? Well, I'm speaking from the experience of working with just ridiculous human beings when it comes to what's possible in the world. Ridiculous. Ridiculous in terms of their stand for humanity and ridiculous in terms of what they have accomplished in relationship to their stand. And when you work with these people, this is what is at the forefront of making it work. There are four things. The first is that you have to be a man or woman of integrity. If you are not a person who is reliable for honoring your word, and I'll talk about what that looks like, then you are not going to last in this organization. You're not going to last because you can't be counted on. If you're someone who is slimy with your word, if you're not authentic in what you say, if you're speaking from a place of looking to look good all the time as a, because you're concerned about what it might look like if you say something which is straight, then it won't work. And if you're someone who likes to justify and make excuses and come up with reasons for why things aren't working the way you want it to, then it won't work. And look, I've done all this before. I've been in those places where I've come from the exact opposite of what it takes to be a leader. But that's because before then, I didn't have any context for leadership to inspire me to live into. I'd grown up with the same bankrupt version of leadership that most of us have. Real leadership takes committing to something before you even know 
How are you going to make it happen? You're making something happen which wasn't going to happen anyway. What Michael Jensen, the famous Harvard economist, says about this is if it had already happened, you would have already done it. This is the tyranny that so many people get stuck in. It's the tyranny of how. How am I going to make the impact that I want to make? How am I going to be successful? How am I going to make it work? And there's something which is really common about this expression. I. There is a focus on you as individual. And this is what I know from my experience of life. When my focus is on me, my performance is weaker. My level of integrity, my level of honoring my word is weaker. Why is that? It's because it's all about me. And when it's all about me, you're dealing with life from all the things which are coming on, going on for you internally. You're dealing with all the thoughts that are coming at you, all the feelings that you're having, all the bodily sensations, all of that stuff which is going on for you. That is where life happens. And when you're dealing with life from this place, the tendency is to be in a space figuring it out, playing small, because your thoughts, your past selves are driving your conception of what's possible for you. And then your personality traits are driving how you see what's possible for you. By contrast, when you're standing in leadership, you're playing a game. You're playing a game where you're up to something bigger than yourself. Your focus is no longer on you. And here I think it's helpful to give you a couple of examples of what this is. So I'm in this workshop for the weekend, and there's a few opportunities for breakout rooms. And what we're looking at is the core of our business. And we have a couple of minutes to explain what it is that we're doing and who it is that we serve. And I quickly fired off what it is that I do. Then the next person fired off what they did. And both of us had pretty, pretty good clarity on that. But then the third person who spoke was really unsure. She really didn't know what, what they called her, her dot was, what, who her, her niche was, if you like. And she had her child in the background making lots of noise, and she was distracted by that. And, you know, we only had two minutes, so we could have very easily created that as like, okay, well, we've only got two minutes. There isn't any opportunity to make a difference here. But what I saw was this. This person was just dealing with the overwhelm of life. And if I started to get her present to what the journey she'd come from and what it is that she'd managed to discover for herself, then we might be able to peel back and, and refine what it is that she was going to create an online course about. And she kept saying things like, I'm sorry about my daughter. You know, I said, look, it doesn't matter. She's going to keep doing what she's doing. But our time is precious. So if it's okay with you, I just want to focus in on you. And as we got closer and closer to narrowing in on what she was focused on and where she, how she'd had this breakthrough and coming to have this enormous amount of happiness in her life after having you know, struggles with her mental health, something people can relate to, I was conscious that we'd gone beyond the two minutes. And so I said, if it's okay with you, can we ensure that everyone else has a, a chance to speak? And then once that's complete, we'll come back to you if there's time. She said, absolutely. And had that been about me or some other individual in the group, what they could get from being there? then there would have been a chorus of, no, 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 that's my time to speak. I want to have, this, I want to have the floor now. But instead, the space had been created for, we are a team in this breakout room. And we are here to stand for this person having a breakthrough in terms of what it is that she's going to accomplish. And that became the sole focus until that breakout room closed. And the sense of fulfillment that comes with this, seeing the clarity which started to come to this woman in the very short period of time is profound. It's actually what provides fulfillment in life. And from experience, being a leader is one of the most fulfilling experiences you can have. Why? Because you're not focused on yourself. 
You're focused on something bigger than yourself and you're given by something bigger than yourself. I want to give you another example. And this is a slightly different one because in this conversation, the person I was speaking to was dealing with life from the circumstances and for that moment from a more like a victim mentality. They were dealing with life from upset. But this person, deep down, their natural self-expression is leadership. So whilst they were dealing with life from their internal state, they're upset about what had happened in a relationship, when there was an opportunity to be a contribution to me in this case, they shifted into that mode. They shifted into what would make a difference to me. How can they get themselves over to where I am such that they can enhance my performance? This is the attribute I see in leaders all the time. It's not to say that being a leader doesn't mean you, have to, you don't you have to deal with what's going on with you internally. You don't have to deal with what we call our internal state. You do. But when someone is dealing with life from a smaller place or when they're unsure or they're indecisive or they're anxious about something, you step into a higher game. You step into your natural self-expression and you take a stand for them and your commitment to their life. And now I'll give you a couple of examples of what it looks like on the court to be a leader and how this can show up in any area of life. But now I want you to imagine a world in which this actually was the reality in which we lived. Imagine our political, legal, political and legal institutions, our social institutions operated from this context of leadership. What would that be like? What would that make possible in the world? And as you listen to this, I want you to write down, what do you see to be possible in the world if this kind of level of leadership was the natural self-expression of those who were in charge or those who had the biggest influence in our social and political and legal institution? And I invite you to share these, share these with everyone who you think could be impacted by this. And if you want to take this a step further and allow me to help you bring the conversation to another level, then you can tag me as well as the philosophical coach. Why is this important? It's important because we want to start to look at what's actually possible in the world rather than operate from the context of what has always been the probable future for law, politics and society. And the other day I was engaging with someone who was a leader and she asked me this question, which was profound. What do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the future of humanity? And as a former academic, I had to rein myself in here to write something concise. But what I effectively shared was two things. One, integrity. Two, responsibility. But neither of these notions are the notions of integrity or responsibility that you're familiar with, most likely. Integrity is quite simply what makes life work. And when it's out, it's what's at the source of life not working. I can look for, my, I can look for myself in any area of life where something doesn't work as well as I want, there is bound to be some instance where my integrity is out. And at its core, what integrity is, is about who you are at your foundation as a human being. That's going to sound like a radical statement, but it only sounds like a radical statement because we relate to ourselves from all of the internal racket which goes on. We relate to ourselves from all the stuff which is happening through the predictive mechanism of the brain rather than simply what we speak. Put simply, we're distinguishing who we are from what is going on with us internally. What is going on with us in terms of our emotions? What is going on with us in terms of our thoughts? What is going on in terms of our physical sensations? And what is going on with us in terms of our mental states? That is what we like to usually call the internal state. And usually we reserve that to thought. 
But we've expanded this now into the world of emotion, bodily sensation, and mental states. And all of this shapes the way we view ourselves and the way we view the world, moment by moment. And if you consider that example, not as reality, but just as a place to stand, then we start to separate the idea of what's going on with us internally, what we normally like to call our internal state, that is being expanded, from who we are really. And I venture that one of the reasons we never discover who we are really is because who we are really is our word. And yet, when we speak as human beings, we do not speak straight. We are not authentic. Why? Because we're so much more concerned with how we look than being straight with people. At face value, the idea of doing what you said you would do when you would do it seems really simple. And yet we know that that's actually incredibly complicated for pretty much everyone. Does that mean you can't be a person of your word? No, I don't think it does. Why? Because, because integrity, Werner Erhard said, is a mountain with no top. And what I want you to consider is that you as a human being is also a mountain with no top. People like to talk about this in terms of being limitless. But what actually creates the opportunity to be limitless in life is exactly this idea of being someone who honors your word. And I can tell you from experience recently how powerful this can be just from working with a client. Now, this client is an absolutely lovely person, but in terms of being reliable to be on time to our sessions, there was no reliability. I didn't know whether she would come three minutes after the scheduled time, 10 minutes, I'd be calling. Sometimes my calls would be declined. Sometimes the calls would never go through. And it was just frustrating. It was frustrating because there was no straight answer as to what was going on. All I was looking for her to tell me was, if you're not going to be on time, by what time would you be there? And this is one of the most foundational aspects, which is the easiest to put into place. And the simple idea is this. When I say that I'm going to be at some place by some time, I either do what I say by the time that I said it, or as soon as I can see that that's not possible to keep my word, I honor it by getting in communication with the person who is impacted by that or could be impacted by that and tell them by when that will be done. And so if I can see, for example, that I'm going to be three minutes later than when I said I was going to be to a dinner, then I'll communicate that as soon as I can see an opportunity to do that. Now, some people might find that weird. My partner certainly has found it weird at times, but she appreciates it because she knows that when I say that I'll be there at a particular time, I will be. And if I can't be, I'll have gotten communication. And I invite you to pause for a moment. Just consider how much of a difference that would make in your life in a world where the idea of ghosting is a common phenomenon. Rather than communicating to someone, we just stop communicating at all, leaving them with nothing except for their own interpretations. And when humans are left to their own interpretations, they can come up with all sorts of crazy theories as to what's going on. But beyond that, it has an impact on people. It has an impact on their time, has an impact on what they could be doing otherwise. And it is quite simply a way of dominating people. It's a way of being the center of the universe. What you're doing is so much more important than anyone else. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm not going to tell anyone about that. It doesn't matter about the impact that it might have on others. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because what I'm doing is really important. Is that familiar to you? Can you see it in your own life or can you see it in lives of people that you know. So now that you've had a moment to consider that question, both how it might show up for you in your life, but also in the world in general, 
I want to bring you back to my client, my client who I originally said was unreliable when it came to the very simple idea of being on time, showing up on time. So what's it like now? Well, I introduced her to the distinction integrity. I introduced her to the different ways in which one can honor their word. And we really distinguish between honoring one's word and keeping one's. And why is this distinction important? Well, it's important because unless you're playing a really small game in life, there's going to be lots of instances where you can't keep your word. You can't do what you said you would do at the moment you said you would. But that doesn't mean you can't honor your word. That doesn't mean you can't get into communication as soon as you can see that you can't keep your word and tell the people who are impacted and deal with the fallout of that. And this was exactly the practice that my client started taking on. She started showing up the very first time she only showed up. She showed up. It was only one minute late. And I acknowledged her. I acknowledged her for the fact that she's only one minute late. Now, was it on time? No, but it was such a vast improvement. And then after that, she started being on time. Why? Because she got that her behavior was having an impact on others in a way that she wasn't intending because she was living life from being at the center of it all. She wasn't in consideration of how this impacts others. And the reason we do this as human beings is not because we're bad people. It's because we're so caught up in our own world that we don't see the way all of what we're doing impacts with others. And it gets better. It wasn't just that she started showing up on time. She started to get into communication about the instances in which she wasn't going to be able to keep her word. So I would wake up and she would tell me what she was going to accomplish that day. And then she would tell me at the end of the day what she had accomplished because that was the agreement that we'd created. And when you create this level of accountability, things start to work in people's lives. You start to see breakthroughs in areas of life which it never looked like there was a possible, it never looked like there was a possibility for a breakthrough in the first place. What it looked like is going from a space of avoiding taking responsibility for what she was out to accomplish in her life to, I am the owner of my life. I am responsible for my experience of the circumstances and I will be the cause of creating my life. And this is a different conception of responsibility to which you're used to in the world. Most of the time people talk about responsibility, it straight away creates a feeling of dread. Oh, I feel so responsible. And that word responsible is related to blame, shame, and guilt. All of these things are in the realm of what you should have done. All of these things are what gets us off the hook in life. Because we hang on to all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the shoulds. We see the diminishment of ourselves and we get to hang on to a conception of ourselves which is limited, plays small, and doesn't work. And I'm no exception. I have played that game many times before. And it is the challenge of life to keep standing in going beyond this conception of what I should have done or feeling guilty or any of this sort of bullshit that we have conditioned ourselves to take on. And just like building muscle is a practice, Building the discipline to take responsibility for your life, and I mean radical personal responsibility, is, is like building a muscle. And when you first start out, you might feel that muscle's pretty weak. Most likely it will be. But if you keep exercising it day in, day out, and you keep looking for yourself, where can I take responsibility? Not where I look at responsibility in terms of shame and blame and guilt, but as an opportunity to create real power in my life and to be the kind of person who is reliable 
for my word, then life starts to look differently and people start to relate to you differently. You become the kind of person that people surround themselves with. People want to know what you have. What have you figured out in life? And it's this idea of responsibility, which is missing in our social, political, and legal institution. It's just missing. Why? Because people are working with this old conception. They're working with a conception where responsibility is something to dread. I don't want to be held responsible for this. No, it's the previous administration's fault for this cataclysmic departure from Afghanistan. It's, you know, the fault of the security workers in Australia for getting COVID-19. We have created such a low bar in our social and political and legal institution that mediocrity is the norm. And inside of mediocrity, what you get is lying, deceit, dishonesty. Why? Because these are the strong suits which have got people, in most cases, into their positions of power to begin with. And so what we would call this is a winning formula. This is something which works for them. They get results from lying, from cheating, from being deceitful. So why on earth would they want to be responsible? It's really simple. They want to be responsible because they will experience themselves as a different kind of they will experience themselves as someone who's making a contribution rather than someone who is chastised by many. And when they speak from a place of authenticity, they will create a level of trust and relatability with others, which is missing, fundamentally missing in our social, political and legal institutions. For the most part, these institutions are bankrupt in the way they operate because there is so little accountability. And so now I'm putting my fork in the ground, so to speak. I'm committing to a different future. And I'm committing to a different future, not from knowing how, because I don't know how, but I'm committing to it because it's worth committing to. It's worth committing to a world which actually works, committing to a world where the social and political legal institutions that we have are held to a higher standard, where they have come to see the opportunity of responsibility, not to fear it, where they have come to see the importance of authenticity, not to shy away from it, where they have come to see that if they are coming from being their word, they will have more impact and influence that they never knew was possible. And they will start to accomplish the kinds of things in these institutions, which were potentially the fundamental reasons they really got involved in the first place. Who we are as human beings at our foundation is people who want to make a contribution. And we are crying out for the opportunity to do so. And we're crying out for leaders to step into a higher game to be the example. But rather than waiting for someone else to do that, I invite you to listen to yourself as the person who can be the one. You can be the one to transform the situation. You can be the one that holds people to account to a higher standard. You can be the one that is a powerful leader in this world. And boy, do we need it right now. And if you have been moved by this, if you have seen something in this for yourself, then here is the opportunity I'm giving you. Nail your fork in the ground. Commit to yourself. Commit to your leadership. How can you do that? Here's how you can do that. I'm creating a beta group where I take you from wherever you are to someone who is a powerful leader in this world who is used by these. And the beauty of this is because we'll be creating this together, you get to do this at a fraction of the price, which you will be in future. And now you might be asking yourself, why would you do this? 
why would you do this with me specifically? I spent the last four years of my life dedicated to transformative. I've worked with the most powerful and compromising leaders, the ones who shift what's possible in the world for tens of millions of people. I work on the effective exercise of leadership. And with me, you're getting an opportunity to take all of that knowledge, all of that experience, and shortcut what's actually possible for you in your life and what it takes to be. But here's really the critical thing. I've gone through this. I've walked in your shoes. I've gone from never wanting to be a leader because I confused leadership with authority and title to leadership being distinction from which I live my life. So if you are called to leadership, then you can go to bit.ly slash creating powerful leaders. And together we will have a conversation to see whether this is a good fit. Whether you're a relative veteran of this podcast or a new listener, thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've got value from this podcast, then I invite you to go to lovethepodcast.com slash thishumeanlife and share your biggest takeaway so that more people can discover and be impacted by this work. Because I'm on a mission to help people live a life free from constraint, to go beyond any limit they see for themselves. If that resonates with you, you can reach out to me directly at thephilosophicalcoach.com.